back to the European show. This is episode 9 now and we will be looking back and looking ahead to this week's football. And to join me in doing so, as always, is Nick. So welcome back, Nick. Thank you very much, Jack. How are you doing? I am doing well. So the first place to start is in the Bundesliga, where we have Bayern Munich play Bayer Leverkusen. Obviously both teams, especially Bayer Leverkusen, have started quite poorly um, or, in, or in bad runs of form and both will be wanting to use this game to turn that around obviously Bayern Munich themselves have not won since they beat Bochum 7-0 and Bayer Leverkusen have not won since they beat Mainz back in August 3-0 so obviously as we've mentioned Bayern Munich's issue is their goal scoring um, whether they missed the likes of Robert Lewandowski, but we, um, but the likes of Sadio Mane has, has clearly came out and said that he is not at his best either. So be, it will be interesting if he is able to get back or at least reignite his form in this game. And obviously, by Leverkusen's defence has not been the best this season. So if there is a time kickstart your season again and get yourself out of this rut it is against a team that is as poor as Bayer Leverkusen whereas on the other hand Bayer Leverkusen I don't really know it, it's really obviously everyone knows the potential of the team they have they just haven't seemed to click so far this season despite the fact that apart from one or two players this is mainly the exact same team from last season as well and yeah it's just up to Ger Gerardo Sione to kind of motivate his team a bit better and obviously for them if they get a result against Bayern that is obviously would definitely do a lot for their confidence and would definitely help them in the coming weeks because obviously the only really positive result they've had so far this season is beating Athletic Madrid in the Champions League. We don't have to talk about that. I think we've covered it enough. In I think we've covered that enough in depth. Yeah, I do think the most likely outcome for this game is Bayern Munich winning. But honestly, I think um, what the most comedically appropriate uh, result would be a draw in which neither team manages to break out of their bad run of form and they just end up both collapsing. But realistically, Bayern Munich really have it in the bag, and the international break I think will have helped for Nagelsmann to reset reimagine what he wants to do with his players and for the players themselves to kind of like take some time uh, break out of, of this bad loop that they're in and and take the season on again but it's also worth noting that some of the players didn't have the best international breaks or the likes of Matthias De Ligt didn't really play for the Netherlands um, same with Ryan Gravenberch but he doesn't really play for Bayern either um, Manu Neuer and Leon Goretzka both had to leave Germany's um, national team camp with COVID so they haven't played any football and obviously did have to, sp have to spend some of that time in quarantine so I don't think as we've seen in the past few weeks you can automatically say Bayern are going to win yes Bayern are going to be favourites but I just don't think after what we've seen especially against teams that on paper are weaker than Leverkusen um, have beaten Bayern so I, I I think the unpredictability of it means we cannot 
write them off or levitate them off just yet. So the next game that we'll look at is Cologne versus Bristol Dortmund. Um, mainly because of that Bristol Dortmund find themselves in another injury crisis. They have the likes of Giovanni Reyna, Gregor Kobel, Marco Royce and Yusuf Makoko all out injured, which isn't really the best. Yes, they have the likes of Donia Marlin and Karim Adeyemi back from injury, but it's just this constant revolving door of players coming back from injury then other players getting injured. And it's clearly a massive issue for Dortmund. And if it's going to be... If there's going to be... If they want to challenge for the title, they just have to try and find some way to get rid of this curse, in a way. Yeah, no, without a shadow of a doubt, like, they've been playing well, but it's mostly been a few individual players shining. And and they've not been their full potential because Haller is unfortunately out and Gio Reyna essentially has played very little due to his first injury, which he's now following up on. So they definitely have the potential to, to do much better than they have in previous seasons and they've shown uh, that they can be that they can be better, especially with with Bayern Munich looking considerably weak. Um however, if if they don't have the squad depth necessary to cover for their injuries then like essentially any team that has good flashes of form they're going to end up dropping off because their their starters can't uh, play every single game every single time yeah so it'd definitely be interesting how they kind of handle this now because obviously this is the business end of this year as we don't have an another break until obviously the, the world cup in november and obviously there's players that will be playing that want to get into their World Cup, into the squads for their national team. And so it will be quite hard to balance this, especially when Dortmund's players seem to be like twigs and can break so easily. Um, but one Dortmund player who seems to be just robust in every sense is, is Jude Bellingham. So this was... Jude Bellingham obviously is English. He went and played for England in their loss to Hungary and no, they didn't lose to Hungary. They lost to Italy and their draw with Germany. And in both games, I think it's safe to say that Jude Bellingham was by far the best player for England. And yeah, it just kind of shows that if, if he doesn't start in the World Cup, there is something wrong because he is definitely one of if not he is definitely in the top two of England's best midfielders we see him we see him dropping masterclasses week in week out with with Dortmund and it's like oh maybe is he a system player when he fits in Dortmund no then he goes to the national team playing under Gareth Southgate one of the blandest most boring tactical managers he still drops saucy midfield performances like who else is capable of that? He has to start. He's like the only saving grace in England's run of basically really bland matches. So it would be an outrage if... Well, he will get called up, and I think that he almost certainly will start as well. Will he be able to single-handedly drag this like dead team past a, past a good point in the tournament? I think it's unlikely, but 
with him at the core, they're cer they'll certainly overperform better than they than they would do normally. But, but this does show why G. Bellingham is clearly Phil Foden in every sense. But what was interesting is the fact that during England versus Germany, Germany gave away a penalty, and that was Nico Schlotterbeck on Jude Bellingham. And the type of challenge Schlotterbeck put on Jude Bellingham is one that would normally get people injured. Um, so that's just fun, really. Then Union Berlin played Frankfurt. Obviously, we have to mention Union Berlin because one, they're unbeaten, and two, the top of the league. So it's quite hard to to ignore them now. And obviously, during the international break, we saw how poor the US are um, when it comes to attacking. So Jordan Pifer will definitely be playing like he's got something to prove if he wants to make it to Qatar, even though he is by far the US's best striker. Then finally, we have Werder Bremen versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. Obviously, Werder Bremen are the best performing of, of the two between Schalke and, and Werder Bremen, the teams that got promoted. They sit 10th, and obviously Werder Bremen have, have made a knack for themselves with scoring quite late on, and have become a bit of an interesting team to watch. Um, whereas obviously Gladbach are also an interesting team to watch, but are a lot more dominant in this sense. Um, this season and yeah it will be interesting because obviously Gladbach have been playing very well as of late and there's a stat that Werder Bremen have scored a lot of their goals in the second half as we know and Gladbach have only conceded three goals in the second half so it, it We'd be interesting to see what happens. And it's also worth noting that Adi Hutter has came out and said he re he regrets leaving Eintracht Frankfurt. Obviously, we know why. Because Frankfurt obviously went on to win the Europa League while he went on to have a disaster at Borussia Mönchengladbach and gets get sacked a year later. So, yeah, that's that's funny. So now we'll have our break and then we'll be back with some other football. Welcome back from our break. We will now look at Syria where we have league leaders Napoli play Torino. Um, Obviously, Napoli, as we mentioned, have got themselves off to a good start this season. If they can keep it up, who knows? Teams that are, you could argue are underperforming are Roma and Inter Milan, and they obviously play each other. Obviously, as we know, Inter, Inter Milan were challenging for the league last season, and they currently find themselves seven, whereas Roma... Obviously, are under Jose Mourinho and have kind of struggled just as of late, just in general. And so, like Bayern in a way, and by Leverkusen, Inter and Roma kind of have to help themselves and try and turn the season around and, and, and push back into the league. Because the fact that it's currently wide open 
they will kind of, you want to kind of make the most of it. Um, or, yeah, you want to make the most of it because wider leagues as wide open as it is and have as much and gain as many points as you can until a gap starts to form. Then Milan play Empoli. Um, obviously Milan fund says fifth and will want to be playing catch-up Napoli and Atalanta. Atalanta play Fiorentina, which is no easy easy task in itself. And then Juventus. Obviously, we've mentioned it plenty of times. They play Bologna, and the likelihood is, regardless of the result, Max Allegri will still be in charge after the game. We, we, we did talk about Allegri before, but what do you really think it would take for Allegri to get sacked? Like, right now they're not doing particularly well, but... Maybe in three months' time they're sitting mid-table. Can we realistically see him sack then, or will, or will Agnelli keep on betting on this absolutely dead horse? I think if 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 Juventus slip into like the bottom half of mid of the table, and it's around the time of the World Cup, I think that's when he would be sacked, because obviously that's when you kind of just have to have to accept the financial. Um, impact it will have sacking him you just kind of have to accept it at this point and the world cup will give a, a good good enough period to bring in a new manager and the manager to instill his ideas on the players that are kind of still around and yeah i just think and yeah they wants to ride out this wave of, of poor form in either way that events will end up playing themselves out of it or they'll get to the World Cup and then he will get rid of um, Allegri. I think those are really the two options. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I see it the same way. But honestly, I think it's quite entertaining. It's quite funny seeing uh, events in the States. So I'm not really complaining. I just kind of want to see a little bit more maybe. Then we will look at La Liga. <sighs> so in La Liga this weekend... Um, we see not too many interesting games. The biggest one is Sevilla versus Atleti uh, on Saturday. It, it playing in Sevilla, honestly, Atletico have to win this game. They they just have to. Sevilla have been so bad, so utterly terrible. If Atleti can't manage, sure, sure they lost against Dortmund that had not won a game or had like won one game. Sure, whatever. But against. A team that usually competes with you, but is so unbelievably weak at the moment. You, you just, there's no other other choice. Like even dropping points, even just a draw would be embarrassing. I think they have to take absolute advantage of the terrible state that Sevilla are in, and also use it to themselves propel themselves back up to to a good state of form. Because right now, eight points behind top spot and playing pretty dreadful football, Atleti really have to like get back on back on form. Sevilla, on the other hand. They're just a lost cause, I think. Even with international break, like how much can you really change about a team that is that just has every player burnt out mentally and physically six weeks into the season? It, it is just gone, man. Just relegate them already. Um, in terms of the other games this season, sorry, in, the, in terms of the other games this week, we have uh, Mallorca play Barcelona. Easy game for Barcelona. They're playing really well as well, so I don't really see it as a challenge for them. Uh, then Real Madrid play Osasuna. Once again, Real Madrid literally have a perfect uh, six out of six win record. Um, I don't think that's going to change against a decent but mid-table team like Osasuna, um, even though they're on decent form, but still 
Betis play Celta Vigo. Um, Betis will 100% want to keep keep up their good start and um, just push forward and try and try and keep up the the good momentum they've been building up. But beyond that, there's not too much interesting other than Sevilla Atleti, which will have which is going to be a bad game to watch, I think, because both teams are not at their best. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. Staying in Iberia, we Portugal. Obviously, they played were in action in the international break and played the likes of Spain. However, the one issue we have seen is how poor, or not poor, how underutilized Portugal have been. Obviously, they have stuck with their manager since 2016 that won them the Euros, which you could argue is valid, but that was six years ago now. And they have a completely different team with only the likes of Ronaldo being the player left. They have a completely different team and the they have a lot of talent at the disposal, but their manager is not utilizing them properly. And so they, you could argue that Portugal themselves have this, have the potential to actually win the World Cup, and they have the squad at their disposal, disposal to win the World Cup. However, with the manager in charge, it's very difficult for them to do such a thing as he's so, well, he's a dinosaur really when it comes to his tactics. I think saying something as ambitious as winning the World Cup is maybe a little bit much, but they could certainly do very well. Like, looking at looking at the final is is not a bad aim for them at all, but um, but yeah, no, I I do agree with you. It's it's uh it's not Spirito Santo, is it? I don't care who it is. Yeah, their current manager is very uncreative, and like you said, he's playing an old-fashioned style of football with old-fashioned players. Like we saw, we've seen football change drastically over the last three or four years, and you know you know a team is hasn't been keeping up with the times when you have Joao Felix on the bench every single game like he's really not a bad player he's actually really quite good but when you're playing Cristiano Ronaldo who is like slow and not at his best anymore and you're keeping a dynamic and creative player like that on the bench it, it it's really uh it really slows down your game and we saw that against um against Spain uh, especially in the Nations League uh, then we also see Bruno Fernandes who's in terrible form with with Man United getting pushed into, into the starting eleven time and time and time again, uh, when you have players like Rafael Leao on like on the bench, equally another young dynamic fast player who could attribute so much to your team, literally probably one of the top three, definitely top five best players in Serie A right now, one of the best wingers attackers in Europe, and he's not starting. Like, what what are you talking about? It, it, it's it's uh, frankly ridiculous. But uh, I mean, yeah, Portugal definitely they just need to get rid of their manager. But obviously now it's now you have to ask if it's too late and if they will have time to to adequately react. But uh, but it's just a matter of being brave and, and saying because because as it is, they're just not gonna they're just not gonna succeed. So now we will have our Golson break and then we'll be back with France.
Welcome back from our Golson break where we've now moved away from Golsons because they've become so... They're all the same now. So we've now moved on to club anthems. And the first one we started with is Napoli. So Nick, what do you rate it out of 10? I didn't like it very much. I thought it was kind of cheesy. Uh, didn't it, it had some energy to it, which is fine. But uh, it didn't really shout out football and it didn't really shout out Napoli. So I'm gonna give it. Uh, I mean, it literally did shut out Napoli multiple times, but you know what I mean. Um, about four out of ten is what I'm giving it. I'm gonna give it a five. It's all right, but it gets quite annoying after a period of time. So now we'll look at Liga briefly. So PSG play Nice. The only difference between this and last season is Nice and how a terrible team and are struggling quite a bit. Whereas obviously we PSG are just doing what PSG do. Then Lyon played Lons as well. Um, yeah, that that's it. <laughs> well, so, sp speaking of France, uh, I think it's important to look at their international form because their their national team is doing quite bad. And obviously, there's this reputation of of the champions curse of ex World Cup winners can't make it past the group stage, and we're seeing. Uh, we're seeing France that's going to go into a decently difficult group stage uh, in which one of their rival teams will be Denmark. And in and now in Nations League, we saw we saw a team that was playing quite poor. They won the, they won their first game uh, 2-0 against Austria, but then they didn't really shine out too brightly. Uh, and then in their second game uh, of the international break, they lost 2-0 against Denmark, who they will be playing in about two months' time. And, and it was just dreadful, really. They had their full starting lineup um, with Kamavinga, Tuchermany, um, Andrew Pimacano, basically new incorporations into the squad. Um, so, so they really had, oh, as well as Saliba, who's playing an outrageous season, they had a really, really good team. Mbappe, Griezmann, Giroud as well. Literally, literally, like some of their best players. Obviously, with France, they have so much depth, they have so much quality. Any any lineup is like their best lineup essentially, but uh, but we really so it wasn't like for a lack of talent that they lost this game, especially compared to Denmark, that has some some good players but no one really insane. So so, so basically the question here is, are they gonna make it past their group stage? What's go, what's going on? Is the is the Champions Curse gonna gonna strike again? I think I think this may probably come back to bite me. We will see France get past the group stage. I think they're too good not to, you know, where I think if you look back at the past teams that have not made it out of the groups they're a lot more they're a lot more stale in that sense so in like the teams that won them the World Cup the players are obviously older and they kind of stuck with them whereas obviously with this France team they had some relative youth in the team in the likes of Mbappe um, Benjamin Pavard, Lucas Hernandez, who are all still part of the team now, but then with the older players who aren't as good, they've quite easily replaced them with younger players who are quite good in the likes of Tichuami, Kamavinga, and we've also seen the emergence of the likes of Christopher Nkunku as well. And there's the fact that Karim Benzema will be playing at the World Cup because obviously he didn't play at the last one. So that does add another element 
a positive element for France but then on the other hand this new emergence of players who haven't really gone that far may struggle in the latter parts of the tournament so that's why I think they're too good to not make it out of the group and they will make it out of the group but I don't think they'll make it to the final that's for sure maybe not even the semi-finals I, I, I don't think they have the organisation and the chemistry that they had back then um, to really make it far enough to, to show off so I, I don't see them doing particularly well I'm afraid because <laughs> I, I, I think it is mostly a chemistry thing like well chemistry and tactics thing I, th I think Deschamps has also fallen victim to the to the not changing his play style because because as I, as I alluded to earlier football's changed a lot in the last three or four years and and great managers that were really good uh, before before this time in the 2018 kind of era and beforehand they've kind of seen their tactics become obsolete and and I think Deschamps has become one of them as well and so the other team we'll look at you can, is the Netherlands obviously the Netherlands are a completely different team now they've had a, they've struggled a lot they obviously didn't make the last World Cup they qualified for the Euros and they're now at the World Cup again so the question is obviously their manager is Louis van Gaal, the person that last managed the Netherlands in the World Cup back in 2014. And the question is, how far can these Netherlands teams go? Because obviously, in van Gaal, they have a seasoned manager who's done it before. Bearing in mind, the Dutch finished third that year as well. And at, at his disposal, he has a relatively, not young team, but there are a mixture of experienced players in the likes of Van Dijk, um, Daley Blind, with a bunch of young players as well. They do definitely look very promising, especially like you said, their young players are adding a lot um, of of dynamism and um, and speed. We're seeing, especially Cody Gakpo had a particularly good uh, Nations League run now. Um, and uh, as well as, as Bergwijn who isn't usually amazing for for club competitions uh, as well as De Jong they've been playing quite well but, but like I said they have experienced daily blend Van Dijk um, so they they do have quality but I think they're missing a little bit of something but in, in goal they're a little bit weak right now they're experimenting a little bit with Pasver who is um, who's the goalkeeper for Ajax but like this guy is 38 years old I don't think and he plays in Eredivisie like I, I, I don't think this is a goalkeeper good enough to, to compete in a World Cup um, they also don't really have leaders in the team Van Dijk is the only real leader but beyond that everyone's just kind of inexperienced in terms of getting foreign competitions uh, like, like think about it other than Van Dijk who has progressed far in multiple Champions Leagues but even then not more than four four or so if you look at their starting lineup who really screams experience in in handling the pressure of the late stages of competitions pretty much nobody so I think that's really uh, what's going to come back to bite them that I, I think they're comfortably going to clear through the group stage and if they have easy matchups through the um, through the earlier rounds and they're going to get quite far but I think once they get a difficult team that really knows how to play and really knows, uh, really has experience for the later stages of the competition, that's when they're going to hit their wall. That's when they're going to hit their, their limit. So I, I don't see them winning. I don't really see them getting 
um, past the semi-final. But I, I, I think they're definitely a team to watch and they'll play entertaining football. So I wouldn't count them out for the too much. Obviously, we'll talk about this all a bit more in depth and all like, the other teams involved the closer it gets to the World Cup and when the squads are announced. But that is our prognosis after the Nations League. So yeah, that is it for today. Thank you for listening. Please like us, follow us, subscribe and whatever. Yeah, we'll be back next week. Yep. Thank you very much and we will see you later.